What's up, royal family? Guess what? It's your girl, Autumn Black, back on the Queen X podcast with a new episode. This is going to be a very special episode. This is not going to be like any of the other episodes or like a mini-sode. This one is going to be solely focused on my guest. I did an interview with Empress Durden, who has been a... Um, just a person, uh, a person that you've seen pop up on my timeline often over the last couple of weeks because I've had the pleasure of reading her book, her latest book, um, which is called Self Love 101, Art is Healing. I've been enjoying the hell out of this book for the last couple of weeks and I finally had the chance to sit down and talk to Empress and we got to go over the reason why she wrote this book. Um, how she came to come into her creativity, what inspired her past work, as well as what she has going on in the, in the future. We got to dive a little bit into this post-postmodern, Afrofuturist, self-love type of genre that she has created for herself and why she felt the need to create a genre specifically for her and what it is that she's trying to accomplish. Um, so without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, introduce Empress and you guys enjoy this uh, this interview. There won't be a black business spotlight for this week. The spotlight literally is Empress. So she is the main topic. She is the black business spotlight. Um, Empress Durden is everything for the Queen X podcast for the duration of this episode. Um, so Empress Durden is a post-postmodern Afrofuturist self-love poet living in Los Angeles, California. Read her latest book, Self Love 101, Artist Healing, on Amazon and at EmpressDurden.com. This hilarious and beautifully written poetry collection encourages healing from heartbreak. At times, the book reads like a carefully curated Twitter timeline. At other times, the book unravels like a sacred but modern prayer for the strength to be gentle with oneself, to skip over negativity like video ads, sis, to eat pastoral interludes for breakfast and to practice the daily art of self-love 101. The author of three books has performed at the Poetry Lounge, World Stage Performance Gallery, Beyond Barricade, Tia Chucha Central Cultural, Nutra Institute Museum and Gallery, Private Events, and Washington University in St. Louis. Her work has been featured on the Free Black Women's Library LA on Instagram and at Good Black Reads. Empress wants to help other women realize that a lot of people look for love in others when we should really look inward and upward. Empress' ultimate goal is to secure a three-book deal with Andrews McNeil Publishing. Good to see you, Autumn Black, or good to hear you. Uh, my name is Empress Durden. I'm a post-postmodernist poet living in Los Angeles, California. And I just released this new book. So lovely to chat with you. All right. So before we even get into um, the actual pages of the book and just and how I connected to it, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what it was that inspired you to write this particular book. So self-love 101 art is healing is about self-love and how art is healing. But um Basically, I, I was in love with someone. I felt like he was my soulmate. Um, he wasn't, so I like didn't want to be here anymore. I felt kind of like suicidal almost, and um, I found that God saved me, writing saved me, um, self-love, and just 
really using writing as a tool to alchemize my pain in the poetry. So I just want to let other women know, especially Black women, that if they find self-love first, then love will come. Um, or it might not. But in the end, we have ourselves, we have our friends, we have our art, our craft, and that's what we should be focusing on, in my opinion. Okay. So was that something that you immediately knew about yourself um, whenever you experienced this heartbreak and you, you know, hit rock bottom as far as your emotions? Did you instantaneously know that you were going to have to dive into your art or was there something in particular that, um, that kind of directed you towards that? Um, I just felt like unlovable. It's a recurring theme. Um, every time I write, um, every time someone breaks my heart, it's like I write another book and that's the way I get through it. Like with Digital Sunset, Digital Sunrise, A Loop Wave Love Story, which is an Afrofuturist book I wrote. Um, that was just me getting over, um, Devo, the main character, the protagonist, co-protagonist, getting over him. And then the story I say, I told him, I told him I loved him and he said, no thanks. So um, this particular book, both of them were just visions I had and with Self of 101, I've been having this vision for three years. I knew what the title was gonna be. I knew what the cover was gonna look like. And it was just about me making that manifest. Um, it's just me chipping away at it. Um, so it was kind of a tandem process to answer your question. Okay, so you brought up the cover of the book which is very interesting because that was one of my favorite things about even receiving the book and um, when I got the, the package is how simple it is and just to the point. A lot of people spend a lot, a lot of time investing in what the cover of the book looks like so they can draw in people, but yours is just so simple and it still has the same effect. Yes, um, in the dedication I mentioned, um, to those who came before me, now you're a Waid, Washon Shire, Alex L., Rupi Cower, Irsa Darley Ward, Uple Chalasa, Sonia Sanchez, and Julia Cameron. Thanks for making me believe. Um, the first one is Nair Waid. So she wrote Salt, and she's the original Insta poet, and her cover is extremely similar. So I made sure to pay homage to her. It's literally a white cover, bottom right, um, bottom right corner it says Salt, and I mimic the same feel. I was inspired by her because, um, you know, Rupi Kaur is probably the most like dominant poet in the game right now. Like she has to deal with Andrews McNeil. She sold 6 million copies, but what's not well known is that Nair Waid came first and she's a, a black woman, uh, an immigrant woman. And she went to all the major publishers. She said this in a Instagram post that she has since deleted, but she said that she went to all the major publishers and people told her, this isn't real poetry. This, you don't know how to use grammar. What is this like? You know, and she just couldn't get a deal. So she just published, self-published herself. So I really want to pay homage to her because without her, there would be no me. You know, she validated my style of being short form, post-postmodernist, Afrofuturist, whatever label you want to call it, but this short form self-love kind of genre. I dig it. Okay. Um, so were you worried at all about um, the level of vulnerability that you were going to be exposing yourself to with this, this particular book? Hmm. Let's see. I actually want to quote Nair if I can, if I can pull it up. 
Um, okay, the exact quote when I get this right is the thing you are most afraid to write, write that. Advice for young writers. That's near YE. So I would paraphrase that and say, write the truth. You know, mm -hmm. I have a poem that says, how to be a great writer. Step one, um, sit down in a chair. Step two, write. Step three, repeat times 50 years. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. I say all that to say, she's kind of like my mentor and Julie Cameron definitely who wrote The Artist's Way. And both of their ideologies say that, you know, just write the truth you know, stream of consciousness. So if you're not being vulnerable, then, um, you know, you're not being truthful to the reader. Or um, giving you a little preview of the next book, I think the epigraph is going to say, um, there's a quote by Ernest Hemingway. There's nothing to it. Just sit at a typewriter and bleed, Ernest Hemingway. So no one wants to hear, I mean, I don't say, the commercial version is saying what people want to hear. But real, true art, in my opinion, um, is just bleeding on the page, being vulnerable. Because I believe that art is helping people um, work through their emotions. Like, when you look at a painting that's, say, very post-postmodern, like a black square on a white page, uh, white canvas, people are like, why is this art? And it's like, because it's making you feel a specific emotion. So to answer your question, if I'm not being vulnerable, I'm not doing my job to make okay. you all as a reader Three feel snaps, something. Sis. Yes, that is very true. That's so deep. Definitely. I never, I never would have, um, this is why I'm not a poet. This is why I don't write. Okay. I wouldn't have been able to put it together like that, but you, you definitely painted a picture for me and that's beautiful. I hope that my listeners are feeling that because I'm feeling it. Well, um, like anyone can be creative. Anyone can be a poet. It's, I'm self-published, it's really, it's very accessible, it's really not that hard, as I like to tell people, like, it's Amazon KDP, if you Google that, you know everything you need to know, and then the other thing will be Upwork, U-P-W-O-R-K, um, no sponsor, but sincerely you can find someone to do your cover, your insides, Amazon KDP, and if you want to be official, the ISBN, through Boker.com, which is B-O-W-K-E-R. Uh, which is the most expensive thing, but not necessary. So just four steps. And I just want to make that accessible to um, you know, all people, especially, you know, my community of Black people and Black female writers. It really isn't that hard. There's all these hoops. Lanaria Waid was going on all these publishers, all these hoops they put in front of us to jump through. And really, you know, with the internet and with, you know, all these new tools, anyone can be an author if they really want to be, you know? Anyone can. So... I'm not special. I just um, did the creative work to, or kept searching for how to do it, I guess I could say. So I want to help people be creative and publish their books. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I love that you're just so willing, like without even anybody asking, you're just willing to give the information and say, you know, here it is. This is what you got to do. These, these are the steps to put in the work that you want to do if you want to be a published author. And I can tell you that it works because I did it, <laughs> you know? Yes. You you have so a book out, awesome Autumn? Of you. 
I don't. I don't have a book out. Oh, oh, sorry, I misunderstood. My bad. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. We're manifesting it right now. Yes, 2020, Autumn Black. Right, okay. Notes from the podcast, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. I love to see sisters just boosting each other. That's a vibe. Collaboration over competition, because we really only have each other, and we really are in this together, you know? Exactly. Ain't nobody going to do it. This is, I see somebody had posted today, um, if nobody shows up for you today, make sure that you acknowledge that you showed up for yourself. And mm. in order to acknowledge that, you really have to do that. And I, you know, I want to make sure that even for some sisters that don't necessarily know how to show up for themselves, I can show them how to show up for themselves. I'll be there standing with you. So I'm all for female empowerment and just the collaboration of like adjusting one another's crowns. Because we be slipping sometimes, you know, we slip sometimes, but we got to have each other's back. To fail is to be human. Exactly. And we need to embrace it. There's learning lessons in everything, in my opinion. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh no, I'm um, sorry. I was gonna say it's the first line of the book says, Clean up on all my life is in shambles. And I started with that because I wanted to make sure I'm not on this ivory tower or elevated saying, I have the answers, like you know, in the Kanye West interview, like, you don't have the answers, Sway, like I don't have the <laughs> <right>? answers. <laughs> I'm just a twenty four year old just trying to make a living and somehow survive in LA, you know. So I'm, I just wanted to show people my process of healing, my process of self-discovery, and maybe they can come along with me. But I started with clean up on all my life is in shambles because I wanted to equalize this in the beginning. Me and the reader and I, we're both broken, but we're both trying to heal and be better. We don't have to stay broken. And and that's I, definitely I, I a starting point. There's a lot of people that do put themselves on a pedestal and it, you know, to to certain people it makes you appear to be unattainable um Mm. so by you even just putting yourself in and connecting that to your readers and to your audience and saying like hey sis we're the same it's all good it's true it's hard out here you know but as a lot of artists out here in LA like you know I moved out here to make creative friends we're just using our art as um I don't say as therapy but as medicine like I guess one of my, not to quote myself, but, you know, everyone has their medicine, which I think we might talk about later. But um, I just believe that, okay, to get really esoteric with it, um, I was talking to some artists about this, like, you know, some people have their coping mechanisms of drugs, which we see a lot, especially around here. Um, Some people have their alcoholism, you know, um, dangerous, risky sexual behavior, eating too much. I've been a victim, uh, I've been a proponent of that. Uh, not proponent, but I've been a, I've eaten too much a lot to, you know, fill the void or whatever. And I feel like with artists, you know, we are using it not only as a kind of like a therapy or medicine, um, but also we're accessing this kind of high state that, you know, marijuana or um, any other drug where people are trying to achieve. I feel like people who are working as artists, kind of like access that mental state more easily um not as a a biological thing but i think that the more you do art the more you can access this higher realm not to be super esoteric but that's just what i believe and that because sometimes when i'm doing art or writing like i feel high i've never 
done drugs, but I feel like I'm, I can do anything. Like, I don't know. So hopefully more people, I can encourage more people to access that as a coping mechanism versus destroying themselves, you know? Wow. I've never heard anyone describe art like that, but that's just, I mean, I've, I've heard different people describe their artistic outlet in different ways, but it just lets you know that it is like a soul tie having that connection and being able to express yourself like that and really live in your purpose is it's that much of a soul connection and a release it's really beautiful mm, well said i want to go back you said that you're not from la where'd you move to how old were you when you moved to la and where'd you come from i'm originally from arlington texas um which some would say dallas uh, i've been here one year in la i'm a transplant um, I just graduated from Washington University in St. Louis as a John B. Irvin Scholar, a little shout out. But um, yeah, I graduated from college in May of 2018. So I'm fresh out of school. Um, you know, I've been manifesting this book for a while, like, you know, life gets in the way, but finally just pushed through. Um, wait, you didn't ask all that. Sorry. So- <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Express yourself. <laughs> Speak your truth. right okay so when you moved out to LA um, what was that what was that transition like did you go by yourself how did you have the nerve to do something like that on your own under the age of you said you're 24 now yes my my birthday was uh, June 13th and I tried to publish it that around the same time so just turned 24 well, happy belated. Thank you, sis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, um, I used to live here in L.A., like, doing the whole child actress thing. Um, and then I went back to Texas to live a normal life, quote-unquote. Um, found out that wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But um, some would say that's a blessing. I don't know. The child acting scene is interesting. Um, but I won't touch on that. The The point is that I've been out here. This is my first. Isn't my first time in LA. Like it's, I've been here for the summer because I was trying to decide between here and New York. Um, but what I love about LA is that you can feel like you're traveling without traveling. You get the consistency of being able to get up every day and write, or get up every day and go to the studio, get up every day and paint every day. The consistency you need to excel in any skill with the freedom to literally go to a different restaurant every single day, meet a new person, um, see a new type of culture, see a new type of art. The possibilities are literally endless. So it's the beauty of traveling with with the benefit of having the consistency. So um, yeah, moving out LA LA is great. It's a blessing. Like LA is a a great place to live, but shout out to Texas too. Texas is a good place (laughs) to raise a family. That's, That's what Texas vibe is about. Okay very family oriented down here I can definitely see that I can see that so in this half of the podcast Empress and I dive into self-love 101 artist healing and we have a really dope conversation about some of my favorite passages in the book Um, I get Empress to read the passages to us the way that they come across to her and her mind And from there, we just dive deep into a person's mental state, 
um, and the feelings that we all go through whenever we're in this state. And from there, just great conversation ensues. So you guys are really going to enjoy this. So please enjoy these clips, these little snippets from Self Love, uh, Self Love 101, Art is Healing by Empress Durden. And tweet me at QueenXPod and tell me what you think. I hope I hope that people who don't like poetry um, would be able to read my work because I really want to be accessible. Um, the whole genre of post-postmodernism, I can talk a little bit about that, but I want to read like it's a Twitter timeline. I want to be in the vernacular, like steep in the jargon of the internet because it used to be that the internet was a place we visited and now um, we live there. That's someone else's quote, but I'm saying that all my work for the next few books, I really want to be literally like a Twitter timeline or very disjointed, very jarring, like a, like as if you're clicking on a on a, an Instagram post and then you know how you get in a little rabbit hole and you might see something else random. You're going down a whole little rabbit hole of that. So, my enemies aspire to taste of my scraps. Oh, how they clamor to sip of my dishwater. Two. My enemies squirm underfoot. Three. My enemies lose sleep over my success. Oh, how they toss and turn. Four. My enemies flounder and splinter under questioning. When I very first read um, this particular set of poems, it immediately made me feel like I could relate to it because it immediately made me feel like a person who, I felt the energy was a person who was dealing with friendships that turned sour or some type of um, jealousy or insecurity type of issue. Or maybe that, maybe I was just making it extremely personal, but the poem just made me feel like, like you were coming, like you were recognizing that you had enemies. And now at this particular point, um, you're shedding shedding their energy and letting them go. I recognize you and I see you for who and what you are and I'm no longer going to let you inflict on me um, your energy. And I just wanted to say thank you. I really, I liked that one a lot. Appreciate it, Autumn. I also like to tag on there. I kind of call back to it later, a different poem. To those who wish me harm, who threw daggers in my path, Thank you. You made me better. So I'm glad that you um, enjoyed that. I mean, that means a lot. Like, you saying the nice things, um, you know, I try to stay humble or whatever, but, you know, sometimes you want to give up. Sometimes you're like, oh, I suck. Or in the words of um, Hiram Sims, I kind of like to quote him. Um, <laughs> he said, He said to me, you know, Sometimes people come up to him and be like, yo, like, your poetry was good. And he was like, wow, I was just about to kill myself last night. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little dark, but the sentiment, I think, is funny. Like, so it really means a lot. Appreciate it. That is Um, very dark humor, but I kind of dig that. So extra. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes, like, you're screaming to the void, like, oh, but I don't know. Um. Definitely about the enemy on the enemies thread. I mean, I feel like everyone has enemies, everyone has haters, and you know the Bible tells us. Uh, well, I'm a Christian, so the Bible tells me 
um, to love our enemies. It literally says, um, it's easy to love people who love you. Even the non-believers do that. But when you love your enemies, when you lend money to your enemies, it, le- it heaps burning coals in their head and convicts them. So I really, in my life, try to love my enemies, go above and beyond to, like, kind of kill them with kindness. But if you drown out negativity with so much positivity and light, they don't know what to do. And not in, like, a bitter way, but literally, if someone, like, says something to me, I say, I love you, have a great day. Especially on being an insta-poet, like, not to brag, I have 30,000 followers, which I'm grateful for. Uh, you get a lot of crazy people. I don't want to say crazy, but a lot of hateful people and you just have to keep it moving. So I feel like everyone can relate to having an enemy or someone who doesn't like them because, you know, sometimes um, I can know you're very into spirit, um, you know, the esoteric and the spiritual uh, with energy, especially out here in LA, everyone's like the energy. Um, But sometimes people just don't get along and that's fine. Not everyone has to get along, you know? As black people, sometimes we don't agree. I mean, we're not, we don't all think alike, even as black women. And, you know, we can just keep it moving, you know? Um, but to be more specific on these poems, um, I really wanted to give the gravitas of a passage in a classic work. Uh, something like, um, mm, honestly, I've never read it with the Odyssey or something. Like, I don't want to invoke that kind of like gravitas of, oh, how they clamorous tip of my dishwater. Like, um, or in the book coming up, I might have a little callback to that. Um, Long live the enemy so we can attend to our victory. So this is gonna be a theme in my work coming up that we really have to, you know, give a little shout out to our enemies. I don't know. Shine some light on the haters. um, (laughs) Yeah. But honestly, if you just ignore people, they go away, but I don't know. When I wrote this, I was just being real. Like the whole, the whole point of the book is not to be perfect or aspirational, but really to just demonstrate the emotions that people have during the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is a process. You know, it is a, a constant up and down of uh, I'm doing well and I'm in the right state of mind, and then you have those insecurities that flutter up and have you making wrong decisions or thinking in the wrong direction. So it definitely is a process. Right, and you're kind of sparking this thought just now. Um, in the healing process, myself, I know I can speak for myself, sometimes I've been very defensive, like, oh, this professor is telling me this, or, oh, this person is giving me this constructive criticism. Who do they think they are to tell me this? I'm amazing. I have to keep telling myself that. But then, so you're very like, oh, they're my enemy. Oh, like, you know, this and that. You're very angry. But then at the end, like I say, to everyone who threw daggers in my path, thank you, you made me better. So coming to that, you see, because by the end of it, the character, me, the reader, gets to that healing process. So by the end, they're like, wow, maybe something the enemy said to me had a little bit of truth in it. They could have said it better, but, you know, maybe I need to, like, reflect on that, you know? And in the end, you become a better person. So that's a little nuance. I didn't even catch myself until now, but, yeah, hopefully that sheds light on things. Yes, and I hope that other people, you know, that are listening to this, that things are registering, clicking with them. This book, I love this book because it was very personal in person. Just because I knew that you were a woman in LA. I was, I'm a woman in Kansas, um, and 
I was just like, these are her literal feelings and emotions and, and her process of how she was healing herself through a difficult situation. Um, and we've all been there, whether it be a, a relationship that didn't work out or a friendship or a job, a career path, college, whatever it is, you know, we felt that heartbreak. And so this was everything just tied in very well with um, us as women just ever evolving and growing and, and feeling things and messing up. To fail is to be human. Yes. Okay, so my next fave um, was page 137 to 147. Hey, what's up? Just your friendly ex here checking in to see if you're still on my emotional leash or nah. Nah. Oh, okay. Cool. He said, do you want to get some sushi? I said, nah, I have a date tomorrow with a brush and a canvas. They only want me when I'm up. Everyone has their medicine. Best believe me, everyone has their medicine. Okay, so I want you to break that down for me, for, our, for the audience. Um, walk us through walk us through this entire experience because I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was crafty. I thought that it was sassy. <laughs> Appreciate it, Autumn. Um, right, so I really try to incorporate humor into my work. The next book is going to be, um, the next book will be entire, pretty much entirely comedic. Um, but like a pillar of post-postmodernism is the randomness of what you find on the internet. Um, so I guess I should just give a little intro to post-postmodernism and this genre I'm trying to start, that I am starting in literature. Um, so also, by the way, I was an art history major to give some weight to this context. So in modernism and art and in literature, because art and literature are often tandem hand in hand, um, you know, you have a reaction to, you know, romanticism, like, you know, you have like uh, the Mona Lisa, for example, or portrait that's very realistic, you know, like a Caravaggio, like a, you know, a person who's very well painted. They look like they could pop out of the painting. That is, you know, traditional art, right? Because art started, um, you know, mostly for the royals, you know, commissioning portraits, right? Um, and other reasons too. But, you know, in modernism, uh, you know, Pablo Picasso, he totally turned that on his head and other people in that movement, like, you know, doing cubism and making it like, you know, seem weird. My, I'm just gonna shout to my mom. She hates this movement, mod, like Picasso. She's like, yo, I could paint that. Like, what, what is this, you know? Or a Rothko, <laughs> like, which is literally just like, you know, red, white and blue, whatever, you know, paint just literally just on there. And I feel her, a lot of people I feel like feel the same way. I thought the same thing too when I first started studying art, like what is this? But um, the point of modernism is that it's a reaction to the establishment in a sense. Like Pablo Picasso and Rothko, they could, they had painted portraits that are very realistic, but it was an intentional choice on their part to turn it on, it, on its head. And in cubism, not to get too deep into it, but you know, he's trying to like, it's not just random squares and triangles. It's him coming from all sides. like of a situation, um, like say in um, Guernica of the war um, and the, the bombing, 
it's like the horse is like all messed up because you know it's alive and it's dead and like the bomb like it's it's trying to like show a lot of things happening at once so he did that in a creative way okay so in postmodernism you have like someone like um uh, marina abramovich who's one of my favorite artists um and she had a performance art piece where she was in the museum her the artist herself and there was a table next to her with um some roses, um, like a knife, you know, food, cupcake or whatever, um, a gun, um, markers, paint. And the premise of the artwork was she told the audience and the museum, you can do whatever you want to me. So, you know, at first it started off kind of like harmless, like they were painting words on her, this and that. But then, you know, it started to take a sinister turn and some of the men, um, you know, started cutting off her clothes and they started cutting her. And in the very end, someone took the gun. She was completely naked um, and full of all kinds of stuff. And someone put the gun, like, pointed at her. And then they stopped the performance. And that wasn't that wasn't planned. They said it wasn't staged. And to what? me, yeah, like, to me, what I got from that is it's showing how human beings are when there are no rules. You know, how 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 dark can we really get you know because they didn't have to pull out the gun they could have like i don't know gave her some money you know but they chose to take it to that dark side you know um so art in that vein of performances and i'm sure you all have seen like installations like you know digital things like um digital artists like there's a few black digital artists that I really like um like Tabata Rosare who um does work on the internet where she like shows this kind of internet vibe even my own work like vaporwave style that's um paying homage or nostalgia in the 80s but so that's postmodernism like going from not portraits of the classical art and not um something like Picasso and modernism, but taking it a step further, you know what I'm saying? And doing things totally out of the box. So with this genre, which I'm starting in literature, post-postmodernism, I'm really exploring how the internet plays a role, like completely disjointed, um, completely um, like a lack of narrative. Um, Because like I said, you can click on an Instagram feed and suddenly, you know, be on like a dog video. There doesn't have to be a um, like a definite title that says, hey, we're switching the subject now. It just flows. Exactly. I'm glad it clicks. I'm glad it clicks. Cause shout out to my uncle. He was like, yo, why is there only like one line in all these poems? Like, that's a lot of paper. I'm like, okay, uncle, that's fair. That's a fair, that's, that's a fair criticism. That's my most common criticism. Like, why is there nothing else on the page? It's because I really wanted the words to stand out and really people would just be hit with the words, um, like as if it was on their screen. Um, so, um, yeah, so with post-postmodernism, this book, Self Love 101, Artist Healing, it does have a narrative. Um, so it's not completely without a narrative um, because this book, I'm being very commercial because uh, I really want to be my first, my seminal work. So the narrative is the healing process, the creative process even, healing from heartbreak. But the next book that I'm working on now, um, I really want to be almost completely disjointed, like the internet experience. So anyway, enough prefacing and gesticulating, uh, I'll talk about the poems. Uh, So, 
Hey, what's up? Just your friendly ex here checking in to see if you're still on my emotion leash or not. Um, so with that, everyone has an ex. I have an ex who just texts them out of the blue. And they're like, yo, you up? Like, yo, like, how have you been? And it's like, yo, like, I've been seeing your post or whatever. And um, in church or in a sermon, they're like, yo, like, you need to just block that. Like, block his number and love yourself. Another work by me. Like, block his number and love yourself. Like, people will check in on you um, just to see if you still like them or not. Because if you don't care at all, you're not going to answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if... Um, and if you don't have any, and if you're healed from the experience, you know, you can talk <laughs> as if you're friends. Um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you need to, like, not answer the text. That's my message. So then the next poem, <laughs> sorry if that was really long. I went on a whole tangent. Um, but the next poem is not. Like, that's me as the reader and as the writer, not. Like, you're not on my emotional leash. No. And then he or the partner is like, oh, okay, cool. Like, they're going to give up if you just keep saying no. Um, then it takes another turn um, with a different person. Um, he said, do you want to get some sushi? I said, nah, I have a date tomorrow with a brush and canvas. Um, really trying to hammer in this, this coping mechanism of art. Like, instead of relying on your ex, because I've been a victim of this, going back to your ex, um, going going back to unhealthy patterns um, <laughs> it's something innocuous do you want to get some sushi but that one sushi day can ruin your life you know it can set you steal your time reclaim my time you know steal your time your energy no i have a date tomorrow with a brush and a canvas i have a date with myself right? <laughs> I feel you. okay so a little bit of an intermission i want to let you guys know that from this point on in the interview, um, the Anchor app, as grateful as I am for um, it making it so super easy for me and Empress to get together on one platform to do this interview, there's a little bit of a lagging in the recording and the saving. So from this point on, um, there's going to be points and times where I may say something a little bit early or our conversation is overlapping. Just know that I wasn't intentionally trying to interrupt her or speak over her. Um, that's just the way that it came off in the recording once it's saved. So I did the best I could with editing, um, but I did make sure that you guys got all the major points and facts so um, you could hear what she was saying clearly without me jumping in there. Definitely. I think uh, and later on in the um, a different poem is, I take myself on the best dates. The dates where I come back with mandalas. Um, I'll have to re-quote that, but... Um, yeah, you take yourself on dates is what I'm trying to say. And then they only want me when I'm up. Again, a kind of like a random assertion. People only want you when you're up, except for your true friends who, you know, are with you down down with you, down with the click. But usually the exes only kind of want you when you're doing well. They they aren't around when, you know, your, your person has someone in your family's passed away and you need the actual emotional support. You know, that's just me. But um, I feel like that resonates with a lot of people. And then finally, everyone has their medicine. Best believe me, everyone has their medicine. Going back to earlier in the book where I talk about, um, I believe everyone has two sets of coping, coping mechanisms, one destructive and the other constructive. In our conversation earlier, we we're talking about um, alcoholism, drug addiction. Literally everyone has their coping mechanism. Everyone, most people take a medicine every day. 
you know, they take an Advil, they take an aspirin, they take their blood pressure medicine. Um, but the real medicine is the emotional medicine. The real medicine is when they feel lonely at 3 a.m., when I feel lonely at 3 a.m., do I answer the text or do I paint something? Do I drink water and go work out to yoga if I feel lonely? Or not me, but, you know, someone, do they do drugs? And people who are addicted to drugs, they, I can't speak on them because I'm not a doctor, but in my opinion, they're trying to medicate themselves, whether it's their mental illness, whether it's their loneliness, whether it's being out here in L.A. and rent being due and, you know, no one trying to help you in our broken system and the corrupt, you know, um, politicians stealing money from the homeless fund. Whatever it is, like, they're out there homeless and that drug is giving them some kind of comfort. Or even not being so dark, but even something as simple as, um, you know, someone being angry, like using anger as a coping mechanism. Like, um, there's some people I could quote, I think Mark Manson talks about this, like, um, Impact Theory episode. I love that show. But people have their coping mechanisms and they have them so often they don't even, like, um, explore that pain inside. Like, or to just summarize, um, like when you step on a nail, you know, you clean the wound and you put a bandaid on it, right? And you let it heal. But with emotional wounds, people believe like they can just let it go around and be a gaping wound. Or they think they put a bandaid on it, but they don't clean it out. And um, this person on impact theory, they said, you know, it takes 90 seconds scientifically to feel the grief pass through your body. So if you feel grief, you need to sit there with that pain for 90 seconds and let it go through your body and feel it all the way. Then you can go and be healed. But if you keep on like reactivating the wound, you're not going to heal that wound. So Yes. I love the way that you were able to um, express and explain um, just the, the process of consuming and taking in someone trying to get your attention, someone trying to take away from you focusing on self but consciously having to make the decision that I'm going to choose self first and I'm going to paint. I'm going to get, the, get at this canvas instead of getting at these text messages, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Real, real life. Real life. Oh man. You got it. I'm glad it, I'm glad it conveyed properly. All right. I'll go ahead and read this next, this next passage, these next poems. That's funny. I don't remember you hitting me up when I was down and out. Two. And you know, I like to think I'm a woman worth being fired for. Three. He said, you're selfish. I said, I'm healing. Four. He said, you don't seem like a happy person. She said, I'm not, okay, so but I'm working on it. Tell me about this. Let's talk about this. That's <laughs> Let's go through these emotions. Okay. Um, so now that I'm reading this, I've actually never performed this out loud um, in a while. Now that I'm reading <laughs> right? my work yes. here, uh, or it's Toni Morrison said like, hey, you know, this is actually pretty good. I don't know. Toni Morrison was like, don't, don't be, yeah, you're, you're good. Okay, so Again, I think it kind of harpens to, like, depression at the end. Like, uh, I'm not, but I'm working on it. Um, I think a lot of people of color, I I think I know, most people in color who I went to college with, and young people in general, like, they have suffered with depression, anxiety. 
and uh, it's like an epidemic. And I've seen some scientific literature that said that it's the phones, you know, it's the social media. Like um, someone literally wrote a book about the increase of depression and anxiety. And they said, um, you know, duh, it's the phones, but it's kind of like literally they, they've mapped it. There's higher rates of suicide with this generation who grew up with the phones on um, social media, the comparison, the highlight reel. I'm sure we've all heard these sound bites. Um, but the nuance is that to fix this depression, anxiety um, is like, you know, we are a tribe. Um, people, we are a tribal, tribal species. Like, you know, being around a community, like we have these needs of, you know, being seen, feeling like what we're doing in life has meaning and purpose, that other people respect us, um, you know, that, you know, we're not alone. Like, we weren't meant to be alone. Like, this is very new. Like, we weren't meant to be in our rooms on our phones. We were meant to be chilling with our friends, <laughs> with our coworkers, <laughs> having a drink, you know, going to sleep and getting up. I don't want to say a drink. Maybe it's, you know, green juice, but whatever. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> Relaxing in a healthy way. Going to yoga class. Yeah. And I'm quoting so many people from Impact Theory. So um, if if you're listening to the author, I apologize. But next interview, I'll have the citations. But Impact Theory is a show by Tom Bilyeu. And he interviews, like, the people who are the best of the best in their profession. And, like, it's really great. I would recommend y'all check that out. No sponsor. But there was literally an episode um, where they're talking about this depression, anxiety. The, the solution is to be around community. Um, and he's like, social media isn't bad if it's used as a tool to connect with other people. So for us, for, for example, me reaching out to you and being like, hey, like, do you need a person on your podcast? We now have a connection that's positive, that's good. It's a vehicle, maybe one day we'll meet in real life or meet with another poet. I've met with poets in real life. But if it's purely on your phone, you're not getting the same benefits of stress relief and of camaraderie so really I want to encourage people meet with people in real life and that will I'm not a doctor but I'm saying that will really help you feel less sad um, I personally have not been diagnosed with clinical depression or anxiety but I feel sad sometimes I get panic attacks sometimes but I'm healing and I've had it I've, I've cultivated the techniques to cope with it like when I feel a panic attack coming on um, I remind myself it's all in my head or I go to the make sure I'm going to yoga, make sure I'm meditating. Uh, like J. Cole had that whole performance, I think it was at BET Awards, where it was amazing. He said, mm -hmm. meditate, meditate, and had all these, um, I believe they were mostly African-American kids because it was BET Awards, but I think it was kids, they were doing Tai Chi, and they were, you know, meditating. It was beautiful to see. And, like, in schools where people, the kids meditate, they have less behavior problems. So, you know, I'm, I'm budding on a soapbox here, but... I was just talking to my roommate about this. Like, they don't want us to have the tools to be able to heal ourselves, you know? Big pharma, not to be a conspiracy theorist, th the money isn't in the cure, you know? I mean, I'm sure they want to, but it's all about the money, and that's just how this capitalistic society works. And at the end of the day, it's, not, it's literally about the bottom line. So we have to take it on ourselves as a people to find these methods, to do what we can, because... This this society we're in now, the medical uh, community, it's about fixing symptoms, not about prevention. So to pre to have a healthier life with no de with lower depression, anxiety, with living longer, you know, you need to eat your vegetables, drink water, like get sleep. You know, sometimes when I feel sad, like I just need to take a shower. Not that I don't shower, but it's like 
it's like in the shower I meditate you know so it's like just that like emergency list like I have an emergency when I'm like oh I feel like I feel depressed like I feel sad oh like my first thing on the list is take a shower because it's like a meditation thing Uh, then eat some vegetables drink water exercise but usually by the second thing on the list I usually feel a lot better you know like humans are like plants like uh, literally one of my poems is um if you put too much if you put too much water in you drown the plant just one drop at a time like we can't overwhelm ourselves with all these things we have to do just one thing each day so i'm saying a lot of different self help self-care things in one paragraph but really i just want to encourage people to just take care of themselves because health is wealth like if you if you pass away from stress and everything, like I tell my dad this all the time, um, you know, then, you know, they may send some flowers or whatever, but you know, you're you're passed away. So, the time you spend exercising, the money you spend on getting organic foods, the money you spend uh, on your yoga membership, it may seem like a lot, but it's way less expensive than open heart surgery it's way less expensive than having a mental breakdown. Like, you know what I'm saying? So just, I want to encourage people to take care of themselves. So that's that, that's that poem. Um, but, um, okay. So then, and you know, I like to think I'm a woman worth being fired for. That's just me being snarky because, you know, I, I, I feel like I have, um, okay, let me, let me back it up. In this book and in my life, I felt unlovable. To the reader, to the community of women who come to me for advice and women who I've talked to, a lot of young women in our generation with this culture we have of the hooking up that, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But in this dating culture, um, people feel unlovable. They feel like no one's committing them, this and that. Um, that's a whole entire other discussion. But the point is, you feel unlovable. And I want to encourage people to not not base their opinion themselves on does a man want them in my in my relationship like but to have that you have to have self-love and confidence confidence on 10 so in that same token i like to think that you know hey i'm a woman i'm a woman worth being fired for like someone's gonna risk their job to be with me that's how high my confidence i have to tell myself like and believe it i'm a catch i'm a queen i'm wifey I'm the prize. Like people don't chase prizes. I mean, prizes don't take prizes. Don't chase people. People chase prizes. I tell women that's all the time. Like your confidence has to be so high because otherwise you'll settle for anything. So you deserve, if you're working on yourself, you deserve a committed loving relationship. If that's what you want with someone who isn't mean to you, isn't abusive, someone who respects you, supports your goals. Um, you know, all these good things, whatever your ideal partner is, and don't settle until you find that person. And they never come. Like, if I die alone with, like, my <laughs> 20 books that I've written and, like, my cats or whatever, you know, cats is a thing, but if I just die alone in my apartment, like, with my books, I'm happy. So I feel like, honestly, the solution is get to that point where you're happy dying alone. Like, that it really makes you happy that your life is so fulfilled with your friends, your art, your writing, your books, your community service, that if no man or if you're a man, if no woman, if you're no partner ever comes, you're going to be fine because your life is just that full, especially with God, like, God's in your life, like, they're, you're that fulfilled.
He said, you're selfish. I said, I'm healing. So to comment on that one, um, this is this is like a little throwback to Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way. And that book changed my life completely. Um, I was in college trying to like be successful, I guess you could say. My parents, shout out to my parents, mom and dad, I love you. Thank you for all you've done for me. I dedicate the book to them. Um, but they put a lot of pressure on me to succeed. I mean, you know, like I said, you got to work twice as hard. You have what they have. And um, anyway, I was I was trying to be an overachiever. I, I mean, I was doing well in school. I was top of my class in high school. And that mentality, though, um, I saw in college really led a lot of people down a dark path. Like, they had to, we had to constantly, just getting real, we had to constantly compare ourselves to our counterparts. Yes. And if you're the only one in the room, it's like you're the spokesperson for all Black people. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, anyone. And I didn't realize this until I really got out and really reflected, like, you know, and heard, uh, I think Kingsley, he, he made a YouTube video about this, being the only Black YouTuber um, and all the YouTube stuff. Like, it takes a toll on you because you can't really be yourself because you're like, am I, am I like going with this, this stereotype of what a Black person is? And um, I saw this on Instagram recently, like, you know, we got to imagine a world in which, you know, we don't have to, mm, we don't have to subscribe to the white stereotype of us. I mean, the black stereotype of us. Um, or Toni Morrison said, um, you know, I'm referencing her to people who are watching because, um, you know, she passed away recently. Rest, God rest her soul. But she was like, I write for black people. I don't write for white people. And if someone mm. has to explain things, mm. then they're not writing for black people. Like, you don't have to explain what it means when cornbread touches <laughs> greens and touches mac and cheese. You know what that means. Like, so that's how you know if someone's really, really down or not or whatever. Um, so my, my point is that um, sometimes the, the PWI, the predominantly white institutes where you're the only black person can really like set people down a dark path that I saw where they feel like they have to be the top of the class. They have to show somebody this and that. And I really just want to like free people from that mindset. Like, sure, you know, it's good. It's great to get your advanced degree. I'm trying, I may get my MFA in writing. I may get a PhD. Um, but if you're not educated, you're still valuable. Like there's still other ways to succeed. Like one of my friends, um, he, he did this, Ooh, let me make sure I get it right. He did this um, video game called Noor. And I really, his, his name is TJ. Um, I really think he's a great story because he was in high school and taught himself how to make video games um, with like YouTube videos. And he was going to go to college for video games. Um, but then like this company came out to him, came like came to him and said, hey, like, you know, can you come work for us? So he didn't go to school because he was already getting full-time work. And now he got his Kickstarter page and his video, his video game is coming out about Noor. And he raised, you know, X thousands of dollars. And I don't know his finances like that, but I'm saying, um, I'm assuming he's living off of it. He's traveling, he's doing his thing. Um, so yes, all I'm trying to say is that not that you don't need college, but there's other ways to succeed in life. And if you want to be a doctor, great. Like as black people, um, as people in general, it's good to be educated, but there's also self-education. Edu I love that I got my degree. Like, I really was struggling 
really a lot. Um, and I really did it for my parents and my grandparents. Um, and I'm happy I did it, but I really felt unhappy there and sad a lot of times because I wasn't being able to be creative. But in the end, you no one can ever take that away from you. No one can ever take your degree away from you. Um, or in the school, as the John, I'm a John Bierman scholar. John Bierman said, like, you know, he got his PhD. Um, no one can ever take that from you. So what I'm trying to say with this particular poem, um, again, it's the work is very short, but there's a lot behind it. And everyone can add their interpretation um, to their personal life. Um, we got to heal from that, like, overachieving mindset. Um, we got to heal from so many things. Um, wow. Okay. My point with that whole story was to say that I was really sad in school, but then Julie Cameron changed my life um, with her book, The Artist's Way. And in that book, she talks about many different things, um, but that sometimes in your healing process, people will think you're being selfish. That, oh, like wow. me taking time to paint. Oh, like you should be doing something more productive. And yeah, like it could be your family, your friends, whomever. Just generally, especially as an artist, I feel like a lot of times people don't value creative work. It looks like you're playing, but it's, again, it's like therapy. Um, another note on Julia Cameron, um, just to summarize her work that really changed my life as a writer. Um, as a creative person so she gave me the confidence to like claim it I am a writer I am a creative even it doesn't mean I have to be a good writer it just means I am a writer and how you be a writer you write how do you be an artist you make things even if it's bad it's still making something or I like to tell people like you know you can't edit a blank page and even if my book is bad like I the first book I did I'm like it could be terrible but it's still better that I put it out because I can make version two. I can make version five, edition five. Um, they say that perfect is the enemy of good. I would go a step further and say being done, doing yes. something is better than it even being good. Because yes. if it's bad, you okay. can still fix it, you know? So get out there and create. Get out there and create. So, yeah. <laughs> Hello, I want to request a wake-up call. Yes, sir. What time? Oh, about 15 years from now, when my wife has left me, my kids are overgrown failures, and my job adds no fulfillment or purpose to my short and meaningless life, I suppose. I suppose around the middle of my life? Of course, sir. Thank you for choosing the Westward and Onward Suites. Good evening. Two. Hello. Can I schedule a wake-up call? Sure. What time, sir? Oh, well, time and space are a social construct, so I guess about never. Okay. So this to me is like very futuristic. Like <laughs> this is where, in my opinion, the um, post-post Afro-futuristic part of you really came in. And I was like, I can dig this. I like where I like where her vision is. I like where her head is at. So, yeah, what even made you think about putting this together? This was, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. <laughs> Appreciate it, Autumn. Um, right, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's post-postmodernist, well, post-postmodernist and Afrofuturist at its peak, I think. Um, and a um, little note on Afrofuturism, 
um, really my work kind of is in that vein because um, long story short, the definition of Afrofuturism is a world in which black people are kind of like free from racism, like many, many, many years in the future. Um, so that's a little quick definition um, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it's just going on this line of, I want to feel like it's the internet and you kind of like hear things like this in Tumblr, like people have a lot of memes um, memes are awesome. Um, and again, my next book's going to have more work in this vein. But I guess the explanation is, you know, um, of course, I want you to take from it what hits you. But uh, it's definitely like a character in the future. Um, well, no, actually a character right now who um, is asking for a wake-up call. But they're in a kind of like, I guess you could say surrealist or magical realism. Whatever genre you want to call it. It's It's kind of like undefinable, but you know, you're, he's talking at the, to the, um, the person at the hotel, like the receptionist. And he's like, can I schedule a wake up call for you? And he's like, well, I guess about never because time and space are a social construct. Um, or, you know, truly try to hit people in their midlife crisis where it's like, Hmm, like make like, okay. Wow. I never actually had to never actually explain this before, but it's like he's he's at the hotel and he's requesting a wake up call and you know as a wake up another a literal wake up call is you know they call you at eight a.m. Hey wake up, but also in your life a wake up call to stop being an addict a wake up call to break up with that ex a wake up call to hey like I'm dehydrated like I had a point where I was dehydrated from working too hard and I just I like literally thought I was gonna die like a panic attack I'm like oh, I need to drink more water. Whatever it is, there's a wake-up call in your life where you decide, I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to just be better. And especially in this whole self-love, self-help kind of climate, I want this book to be a wake-up call to people. That may be bold, but I want it's my life to be a wake-up call to someone and say, hey, I can be better. So this person is requesting their wake-up call um, at their midlife crisis, you know? But then... The twin to that, the the parallel is that someone else is like more nihilistic about it, and he's saying, "I guess about never." Some people never wake up; like they're they still in the sucking place, you know. If you want to reference, uh, um, get out. But they're in the sucking place; like they never wake up. They they're alcoholics their entire life. I'm sure many people in our family, like people's family, you know, abuse something, or just people like ourselves, like. I don't know, I would say even worse than the sunken place. You're literally stuck in a space where you don't see what's really happening around you. You don't see growth, change, um, people growing up. It's it's like a dead zone. I thought that that was dope. I thought that it was um, like the angel and the devil, you know, the positive and the negative. I thought it was really dope. I enjoyed it. And I hope that all of my listeners enjoyed it as well. Okay, so um, what's been Appreciate like you. your feedback from the, major- the majority of people that are reading this book? Um, for my readers who um, this is the first time they're hearing about the book and they've got to hear some of the passages and us just going over them, what's some of the reviews or, or like key terminology that people are utilizing and saying um, if you're going to like this book, you know, what's a review that you've gotten? Even leaving reviews to authors really helps us out. I like to just take a moment to ask, you know, it takes 30 seconds. If you could leave a review, it could literally say good book. 
on Amazon and um, on Goodreads. It'll take 30 seconds, but it really helped me like get to the Goodreads book of the year, which could help my career and hopefully I have to struggle so much, you know, little shameless plug. Um, but people have been so kind, so nice. Um, I got Serena, this is just someone on Instagram said, um, what a book it is. When something hit, you had to snatch even harder at what was still intact on the next page. You're talented. Please don't stop. Um, on a more literary kind of review by my friend Parker Lamar Brown, um, this book is filled with small bits of wisdom that linger in your mind for days. The poetry captures the zeitgeist of Gen X, I mean Gen Z, but still feel pretty, still feels pretty timeless. The writer takes you on a journey of love, heartbreak, doubt, and resurgence with calm confidence. Every page feels like peace, the perfect read for anyone questioning their path and needing to reflect. Highly recommend. Um, one of my favorites, though, is um, Kenny Benitez, just a reader. Um, thanks so much, Kenny. Shout out to you. Um, after my breakup, I was seeking something to pick me up. I stumbled upon Empress's book, and after finishing it, I felt like I just walked out of a dark cave. Looking for motivation, inspiration, this is it. So he really put the nail on the head of, like, I really, like he said, he felt like he just walked out of a dark cave. Like, I'm really trying to heal people. Like, I'm really trying to help them find their healing. Um, Stephanie on Goodreads said, this book is amazing in its new age imagery and warrior goddess prose. Hmm. And um, someone on Instagram, Miss Brown Sugar 101, said, some of your poems really hit me in the chest and made me do some self-reflection. Hit me in the chest really stands out because I always say, like, I just want my work to hit someone across the face with meaning. Like, I want to, to punch someone in the gut with meaning. Not to be violent, but that's why it's one line. People ask me all the time, why is it one line? I couldn't, I can do sonnets. I've written sonnets like Picasso. He could do um, traditional portraiture. I can write sonnets. I can write nails. I took one poetry class, like, make it an MFA, mm -hmm. whatever, but we got to step outside these paradigms, make our new genres, and I really just want this genre to uh, resonate with people, so I just want to say once and for all, like, it's not a one-liner because I can't do sonnets, it's because of an intentional choice, so the people who recognize that, thank you, and if not, then that's cool, um, <laughs> you know, hopefully in 50 years, you'll get it, not to be bitter or anything, but not everyone gets everything the first path. Some people think E.E. E. Cummings, like, why is everything lowercase? Like, I really want my work to be, let me just, yeah, let me be bold. Like, you know, sometimes we're timid about this. I want my work to be taught in schools. I want people 100 years from now to look at my book in the library and be like, wow, this was the first book in post-postmodernism. This body of work was so different. Like, and I'm saying that not to be arrogant or whatever, but because I'm hungry, because I'm not thirsty, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm a poor, struggling, young black writer making $2 after each book. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, he's taking his cut. You know, the real money is in when I sign copies for people. So um, I don't want to claim that I'm poor. Like, I'm not trying to say I'm like poor is a, a not a good thing to um, have a mindset or whatever. I'm just trying to say literally... Um, Sometimes the artists, we're struggling until we make it. And I invested all my money 
into this. I'm doing this because I believe in myself. And I really want to encourage everyone else to believe in themselves. Have no plan B. I know that sounds radical, but if you really believe in your in your uh, your business, your your craft, go for it. Like because if you hesitate, that's where you lose. Like I know for a fact, I'm going to get a book deal with Andrews McNeil because I'm claiming it. I manifested in Jesus' name. You can manifest what you want in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like I know I can visualize my goal. I see myself in the room, um, the conference room. I see myself getting that book deal for X amount of dollars. I know the number. I see myself giving it to my lawyer to negotiate the contract, getting a higher number. I know how it feels to write my name on the contract. I know how it smells, the pink, the ink of the pen on the page. I know how it feels to buy my parents a house. I know how it's going to feel to be financially secure. I know how it's going to feel to wake up every day and write and not to worry about money, but write and try to help people. I'm, I'm claiming it because this is a quote by um, Josh King Madrid. Everything in life you see twice, once in your head and once in real life. Nothing in life we do, we can't do without seeing first. And um, well, end quote earlier, but I saw this book three years ago and I just kept pushing. I want to give up so many times, 500 drafts, but I kept going until it was done because I couldn't die without it being done. Now, honestly, I will be happy if I die tomorrow, I'll be ha- I'll die happy because this book, I put everything into it and I wanted to stand the test of time. So the reviews are great, this and that, but I do this because I have to. Like another quote in my book and one of my books and everything, they speak to me of writing as if it's a choice. It's not a choice for me. So I'm just trying to say I'm a struggling young writer. And if, you know, I'm not trying to beg or anything, but I'm, I'm just trying to encourage other struggling artists, don't give up. And really have to believe in yourself times a thousand to really like get it. So oh no, yeah, girl, that was just on my heart just to share. And I hope it wasn't too out of pocket. Like but yeah, an independent creative. Trust me, I I feel you a hundred percent. It's that passion that you have that is going that is going to um, get you to that contract that you are envisioning in your mind. You know that you're seeing before it's actually right there. So. Yeah, don't ever, don't ever put the brakes on, uh, on any of your spiels for no, for nobody. Speak that. Amen. I've got twenty books in me at least in my lifetime. What Amen. are you working on now? I mean, you've dropped a couple hints uh, during this interview of some things, some things to come. Definitely, I'm working on um, books number four and five. Um, I don't want to release a title yet because I'm still I haven't put the final decision on it. I'm going to submit them to Andrews McNeil. I keep harping on them because, you know, they published Rupi Cower. They published Alex L., the people who I um, paid homage to. <clears throat> they published, um, who else? Um, other people in my genre, Uple Chilasa. I really recommend y'all check out all their work. Um, and they're like, they have this niche of um, self-love poetry. Um, yeah, so if anyone from Andrews McNeil is listening or anyone knows anyone, like, you know, I'm looking for a deal with them. Um, so I'm going to submit that. Um, so yeah, what am I working on? So this, maybe that's a little bit too much to say, but anyway, these next two books are definitely going to be comedic, um, similar to some of the, the ones I just shared about the wake up call and whatnot. Like this book is commercial because I wanted to do something very commercial. So there was no excuse. This one's somewhat more commercial, but the next ones are just totally in this genre of post-postmodernism. Um, you've never read anything like it in your entire life. 
It's going to be funny. It's going to be snarky, um, witty. So from the next book, currently on title unreleased. This life is like a theme park. On the left, we have mass poverty and suffering. On the right, we have rampant nepotism. You must be this tall to be complacent. So that's what I posted. Wasn't on the comedic side, because again, I do have some serious stuff. Um, Here's another one I posted on the comedic side, since I promised the comedic side. This evening, we're serving a special of Philip Mignon with a light dusting of crushed Doritos. So I intentionally say Philip Mignon with a whole, like, information about the pronunciation because, again, turning things on its head. Like, I know it's pronounced Philip Mignon, but screw the establishment. Screw what we're supposed to be. I know we're talking English because we've, we've been colonized, but it's Philip Mignon. It doesn't have to be Philip Mignon. It's just as valid. So that's something I posted, but in terms of the exclusive. Okay, here's one I haven't published, I think. Cute Wi-Fi password idea. I'm feeling it. I tried. I love it. Those are snippets from Empress Durden's new book. No release date, no official title yet. Um, so um, the three that I just performed, um, they actually, I just realized they had been posted. So I'm going to give you all the real exclusive to series and then something from Self Love 101. So ethnic cleansing is a terrible phrase. Two, ethnic cleansing sponsored by Swiffer. Three, ethnic cleansing sponsored by Mr. Clean. Four, ethnic cleansing sponsored by Windex. Five, this ethnic cleansing is brought to you by Scrub Daddy and Mr. Clean. So that's from the upcoming book. Um, Again, it's pretty dark, but with things going on now, like say... um, Unfortunately, all these people being um, in these concentration camps at the border, my heart goes out to them, um, you know, with these ice raids and whatnot. So ethnic cleansing, um, it's genociding. Um, So on a lighter note, though, this is a book for my, this is the poem for my current book to close everybody out. Thanks so much for your time. Autumn, thanks for having me on the show. Like, it's been really fun. And I'm going to leave y'all with what, what I think is my, uh, a good work. So without further ado, this is, this is called They Say He's a Healer and. They say he's a healer and I stand over her casket. They say he's a healer and I think it's all habit. They say, how are you? I say I'm fantastic. What else? There's too many facets to ad lib. Flower baskets, they kept it classic. Out of my tax bracket, nervous sips from the flaskets. Fidgeting with my gadgets, pulling on my jacket. Cleaned off my glasses, the service is lasting. It wasn't an assassin or a crime of passion. It wasn't a hatchet or something tragic. My smile is plastic with so many maggots. We throw her ashes like it's Damascus. This feature is blastic. I need a straight, straight jacket. I want to try acid, but let's not be drastic. Now she's dancing in heaven. Her hips are now elastic. They say he's a healer. You catch it. They say he's a healer. The fastest. They say he's a healer and 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 they say he's a healer and.
And that is Empress Durden. <laughs> Thank you so much, Empress. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really appreciate you having such a genuine conversation with me and all of our listeners. Um, I already follow you on social media, but I will definitely be making sure to drop a link, um, not only to your social media, but your website, as well as your Amazon, where people can go and order the book. Um, and they can also order an autograph copy, too. Yes, if you really um, want me to get most of the money and not our corporate overlords, Jeff Bezos and whatnot, and Amazon, then you can order from me directly. Um, So just so y'all know, my name is Empress Durden. That's E-M as in more, P-R-I-S, D as in David, U-R, D as in David, E-N as in no. So my social handles is at empress.durden. My website is empressdurden.com. If you Google Empress Durden on um, Amazon or do Self Love 101, it'll pop up. But yeah, if you really want to support your local artists, local LA artists, hit me up on Instagram, send me a DM. I'll give you that special hookup price. Say Queen X Podcast. I'll give you a little discount on the signed copy. Um, and you know, in 10 years, you know what I'm saying? You're going to wish that you had it. So, I'll get on that. It's going to be worth something. (laughs) We talking millions. Okay, Empress, thank you so much for spending the evening with me. I appreciate you. Um, And enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much, Autumn. You've been lovely. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you guys so much for checking out this interview with Empress Durden. As you can tell, I'm completely enamored with her, her energy, the healing vibes that she brings, um, and her desire to help and heal people through her writing. So please support this sister. Um, Follow her on Instagram at empress.durden. On Twitter, she's at Empress Durden. And then definitely hit her up. And let her know that you're interested in purchasing a book from her and get you a signed copy. You can also purchase at www.empressdurden.com. But like she said, if you hit her up, let her know that you listen to the Queen X podcast. You can get that book for the low low. Other announcements before we jump on up out of here. Um, your girl has been nominated, okay, for the uh, Digital Influencer of the Year for the Blackout Awards ICT. I'm going to drop a link down below. Um, I will be sure um, in the description to put what the final day is. I want to say the final day for voting is either September 1st or September the 14th. I will for sure put a date down there, but click on the link. And when you go to vote, you have to vote for someone in every category in order for the voting to count. Um, That is the only way that your vote for me will count is if you um, vote for someone in every category. So this is your chance to really get to know all of the black entrepreneurs and black businesses that are located here in the ICT. Um, so yeah, holla at me. I'm in a category digital influencers, digital influencers with some heavy hitters. Okay. Christina Long, Troy Andrews, Blake Edwards, anybody that wins deserves to win. So I'm just telling you to go vote. You can vote for me because you fucks with me and you love me, but you don't have to vote for me if you definitely feel like you have been digitally influenced by one of the other three in the category. Vote. Just get out and vote. 
Also, this Saturday, which is the 31st, is the United Vibes Going Away Party. So we will be in the parking lot from 12 to 4 at our location, 2003 East Central. We have um, all the vendors that have had their their clothing, um, paintings, hats, um, poetry books. They'll all be in the parking lot selling items from our store, plus new things that they have created, new things that they've put out, new things that they've designed. They'll all be in the parking lot this Saturday. We'll also have um, food courtesy of Antar Golar. He has a hot dog stand that he's going to bust out for us. And uh, my girl Teriyaki with her cafe grade, she's going to have a taco bar for sale. And of course, it's I get DJ Domo on the mix. So we will have sounds from DJ Domo um, from 12 to 4. So come out, hang out with us. This will be the very last day that we are open. Um, Right now, when you come into the store, everything is 25% off. Saturday, um, everything uh, non-consignment that is from us, created by us, um, will be 50% off, except for the raw African black soap, the raw African shea butter, and the body oils. Those things are not going to be 50% off because they're already very well priced and they sell just fine as is. So this will be our closeout sale. We will no longer be open after this. I want to say thank you so much to the community of Wichita for um, being inspirational to me and allowing for me to in turn feed the community back and inspire others. This has been a wonderful experience for me. I cannot wait to go out into the rest of the world on my nomadic journey, discover new things and bring it back to this community because um, we are forever together. We're forever melded together because this community has impacted me and I hope and I I pray um, that I have also had an impact on you all. So keep up with us on the Queen X podcast and we're out. See you next time. Peace.